0: Hi, it's Steve Indig at Sport Law. Leave me a message; I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Hey, Steve, it's Dina. You aren't going to believe what just came across my desk. We need to chat. Give me a call.
1: Welcome to the latest episode of Sportopia. We're so excited to share our knowledge and have conversations about healthy human sport.
0: In this recap of our first season, Steve and I are going to reflect on the last year, share personal highlights, and express gratitude for the opportunity to connect with sport leaders from across the country as we evolve towards Sport 2.0. Steve, before we get started, what's coming across your desk this week?
1: So I always like this section to, again, look at the calendar, look what's been going on, what emails and phone calls we've been getting. And, and one I got just the other day was with respect to a person who has a criminal record, that usually leads to a conclusion that they, we don't want that individual around around youth, around people because of the potential threat to those individuals, or at least the reputation of threat of that individual. And and that person may not be a member or a participant or a registrant. So the question comes in is how do we govern these individuals who we may or may not want to have at our activities? And one of the things that we've looked at is, is what we would call a no trespass order and going to a court and asking the court to deny a person the right to attend a venue or an activity or, or a grander scheme of, of scope of, of events and activities. And, and that's one thing that I think organizations have the right to do is to look at the, the way of potentially banning people that we feel wouldn't be appropriate at sporting events. And the first thing that we would recommend would be to just send that cease and desist that that no trespass and and then if it's if the individual wishes to fight against the wish then we'd look at the court to issuing that no trespass order so i thought that was something interesting for conversation because not everybody has the right to attend our events and uh, we probably may not want certain people who who don't have that contractual relationship through membership or participation uh, to attend
0: Interesting. It's so amazing, Steve, how our worlds are so different. And the stuff that you do, I mean, I remember uh, being a, when I was doing my journalism degree, oh, just a few years ago now, Steve. <laughs> and not,
1: I'm not taking the bait.
0: You're not taking the bait. Okay. <laughs> and, and I remember thinking, you know, the, the criminal law and the, and the civil law and common law, right, understanding how we have lots of rules and regulation in our society and then in sport we have our own little rules and the interpretation of that so i love that you're what i think you i'm hearing you say is we can look at other laws and rules and norms that are kind of standardized in other realms and see how we can apply it to sport to help modernize sport right as we move towards sport 2.0 i think that's really cool steve so you know steve it it brings me a lot of joy to to talk about Uh, healthy human sport. And the work that I do when I'm not working in sport has a lot to do with helping support people who are bereaved, right? People who are suffering because they've suffered through a death of someone they care about and or their dreams have been shattered. You know, when I work with athletes and coaches, often there's a lot of accumulation of losses and, and I'm, I'm getting ready now to prepare for national bereavement day. And so it's exciting for me that uh, my work and the book I've written, Grief Unleashed, is being recognized by hospice and palliative care associations. And as you and I are traveling across the country, we're also it's also an opportunity for me to share my book and to uh, support the bereaved. And this intersects with our work, Steve. Often all people need is to be acknowledged. And so by providing some language and some empathy, people feel seen and heard and they can make sense of what's been going on so i'm kind of immersing myself in all of this and noticing that this work you know while it's difficult it also brings me a lot of joy so steve you know I, in preparation for this session it's our last one i had a chance to review the podcast that uh, they aired this past year and you know before we do our little year in review maybe we can just pause and celebrate the fact that we actually pulled this thing
1: off. What do you think, bud? You know where I'm going to go with this conversation is the variance, the difference between you and I of being three feet off the ground and 30 feet off the ground. And and you always come up with these bold, creative ideas. And I'm very focused on the work at hand that I have before me and, and trying to complete that because I know the next project's coming along. So the fact that you convinced me to do this uh, speaks it speaks to the relationship that that we have and really, really happy to be a part of this and to share our conversations and also to the fact that people are, are listening. And when you presented the idea to me, we had done some research in, in sport and podcasts and there wasn't a lot of uptake to the number of listeners. And of course, being as busy as we both are, I didn't want to, spend a lot of time doing this, knowing that we wouldn't reach as many people as we'd hoped we'd reach or we could reach. And in fact, I always will be the first one to admit when I'm wrong. And don't tell my wife, my wife may not agree with that, but <laughs> I was wrong and, and we've had a really great outreach. And I think we've had thousands and thousands of listeners through the, the podcasts that have been released in, in 2023. So uh, really proud, really happy you made me do this. And what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I, well, anytime I get to spend with you in a more deliberate, meaningful conversation is really cathartic for me. And I think as we, I listened to our first one, you know, the, the ground zero podcast where we were a little bit echoey because we, we didn't have all the equipment yet. And it was fun to go back because when I was listening to it, I could feel, you know, for me. I'm a big I'm a dreamer. I always believe that there's a better way. I believe in sport. I believe in humanity. And this podcast, I think allows us to dream big, and also bring some pragmatic, practical, grounded solutions to immediately alleviate some of the suffering that we're seeing. So I think it was it was really helpful for me to to kind of go back and look at the the ground we've traveled. And when I feel at my best, it's when I feel I'm in service of others. And so this podcast is one small way for me to feel like I'm making a difference, right? One small way. And as we're looking at the numbers, we know, you know, people from coast to coast to coast are hopefully benefiting from some of the stuff that we're sharing and feeling less isolated. There's so much suffering right now going on in the world and hopefully a little bit more inspired to try something right? Or to reach out and talk to someone about some of these better ways that you and I are speaking to. So I'm really excited that we're going to continue to uh, work towards season two.
1: Like I like what you just said with respect to the word inspire. And I think this is the platform where we do get to dream big and talk about doing things differently. And and maybe that does motivate people. What were your memorable episodes, Dina? and, And why?
0: Well, we're not supposed to have favorites, right? I have three kids and I certainly don't have favorites. Um, But depending on what's going on in my life, there are sometimes, you know, I I might feel more attached to something uh, than, than something else. And so there's really two that jumped out at me. I think the first is the grief and loss one. And I think it's because as I continue to deepen my own understanding of all things thanatology, which is the study of death and laws, right back at university, kind of entrenched now in academia and research related to uh, what it means to be a healthy human, which includes being able to reconcile and grapple with our life when things go sideways. I think that episode for me is just an ongoing, I don't know, I feel like it's a gift to to sport because the research doesn't, there's not a lot Uh, related uh, to grief and loss in sport. And that's really where I want to focus. My next papers and my next uh, projects is really deepening our understanding of the load that we impose on the vast majority of participants in sport are under the age of 18. And so sport ought to be, uh, you know, fun and enjoyable and healthy and loss not need be such a you know, a bad thing to experience. And yet we see too often on, uh, in communities, uh, the adultification of sport means that kids are not having that great experience and the, the roads lead back to loss, right? Not being able to win and the ways in which adults create an unhealthy relationship between the outcome and the experience for children, which is why so many of them are leaving. So I think that that's a really important uh, lens as we look to modernize sport, sport 2.0. We must also look at the construct of sport and our attachment to the big W, right, to the win at all costs. So, so there's that. The second uh, episode for me uh, has to do with culture. And I think they're, they're both intertwined. We had, I thought, a, a really beautiful conversation with Bryce Tully at, uh, at InnerLogic and the work that they're doing to provide a platform. You know, they're bringing technology into us, being able to quantify, measure this invisible thing called culture. And why I'm so appreciative of their work, Steve, is because, you know, back in 2009, I was doing my master's on the topic of values and culture, thriving cultures. And at the time, even even just when I had the research and I was communicating this, I wrote a little a little book on on what I was able to find. I studied nine national sport organizations, and the evidence all pointed to an ethos of leadership that was holistic that we measured more than money and metals, that we were also measuring the lived experience. And I have this little framework and and I was sharing this. And to, truth be told, it, it just wasn't, the uptake wasn't there the way it is now. Now people are ready. I think the environment is ready for us to turn the invisible visible and for us to use frameworks, leadership frameworks uh, and systems that are that are a lot more holistic And um, so that those are the two episodes that really jump out at me. What about you?
1: I had three that were memorable, and they all correlate in some way. The first one was what does it mean to be a leader? And what I liked about that episode was talking about and recognizing that yes, it is difficult right now to be a leader in sport. So to one to bring that conversation piece out into the open and also to let people know that they're not alone. So I think the education or the communication or the ability to talk about that difficulty in being a sport leader right now hopefully made people feel that they're not alone. There are resources out there to have conversations about the difficulty in being that leader. The second episode I liked was finding the right directors. And I'm going to even extend that into finding the right people. And it's something that I've been talking about across the country on the Hope on the Rise tour is finding the right people, not just people, but the right people and focusing on doing that. And that segues into the third episode, which was less is more amalgamation and sport. And as we've learned, Dina, in our travels, a lot of organizations are, I don't want to say opposed to amalgamation, but they're cautious of amalgamation. And some people use the word sharing in sport. And I really want to adv- continue to advocate to take the time to find the right people with the right skill set, with the right diverse background. And then maybe we can share those people or we can share the resources because what we're finding is that people keep saying, oh, you're having the same problem. So is there a way, again, to share people, to share experiences, to share learnings, and that we're not on this you know, hamster wheel together? So I, I'm, I'm really advocating for recognizing that right now sport is hard and challenging and quite different than it was five years ago, 10 years ago, let alone 20 years ago. But there's a lot of similarities that we're having, we're seeing across organizations from a capacity issue, from an experience skills-based issue, and that sharing and maybe amalgamation could alleviate some of that. Those were my my three. Just again, to see some, hopefully in the future we'll see some maybe streamlining of a lot of uh, different organizations, or at least from a resource perspective. We've been traveling, Dina, across the country since March of this year, 2023, when, again, you came up with the idea of let's travel across the country on and which we labeled it the Hope on the Horizon Tour. And what were you, some of your biggest aha moments now that we've completed eight stops across the, the country and a lot of different provinces and territories?
0: Well, it, it's beautiful to actually a nice segue to sharing as a form of caring. And and I think that that's really what inspired us, right, to travel across the country to kind of focus more on, uh, we call it the meat in the sandwich, right? The the provincial and territorial leaders from, from coast to coast to coast, who uh, often, they will tell us feel like they're the forgotten ones, right? They they have to nestle under a traditional sport environment from national down to provincial, down to club. So that's more traditional sport delivery. But also they they feel the pull and the alliance to their provincial funding body. And so often they're, they're like the, the push-pull factor of who is my boss? What membership do I belong to? And as we know, the difference across the country the different cultures, the different uh, reasons for being involved in sport are really starting to, to become online, I think, for many of us. So some of the things that I was really reminded of is in community, for most of the people we talked about, it's not about high performance sport at all. It's about healthy human sport. It's about inclusive sport. It's about modernizing uh, our infrastructure to make it more accessible more welcoming for people and so the things that the provincial sport leaders and territorial sport leaders are grappling with are a little bit removed from what the national scene is is grappling with and so i think it's really it was such a healthy reminder for us and i would say uh, you know another thing that's really you know jumping out at me is you and I are coming uh, and traveling across the country. And in some cases, when we're, for instance, in NWT, Northwest Territories, or the Yukon, or even in Nunavut, their lived reality is, you know, they're playing basketball, maybe in the library. <laughs> their lived reality is so different. And what what's inspiring with these uh, leaders is how resourceful they are. So when we talk about things like amalgamation, like sharing as a new form of caring, how doing it differently. I think we can learn a lot from our northern uh, partners and the islanders who tend to be really resourceful because they've had to battle some of the elements, right? The elements of weather and mother nature. So, so that really stood out at me. And I would say the final uh, big aha is how exhausted people are, Steve. You know, as we go across the country, most of the people in the audience are like north of 45. So I want to, I'm asking, where is it? Where's the next generation? And and sports typically, when we look at the audience, still very white. And so I think it's really important us f- for us to acknowledge that as we want sport to become more inclusive, we need to ensure that the systems, the structures, the images, the environment, the culture is actually walking the talk with respect to the promise that sport can deliver on, right? But we have to ensure that that sport, if we're going to invite people to the party, we have to ensure that there's a place for them. And right now, I think people are really acknowledging, ooh, you know, when we turn to the right and to the left, it's people like me. So so I was really inspired by I think it was Mr. Reed uh, at our one of our stops in the Yukon, you know, our Indigenous elder who opened up this territory. And when we invited him to introduce himself, he talked about, you know, his ancestors and he talked about the impact of sport on his community. And he talked about why sport was so important and left us with a parting gift of what we would call sustainability in Indigenous wisdom. It's seven generations. Can we create sport now that's going to sustain for seven generations? So those are some of my highlights, Steve. What about you?
1: I was shocked, Dina, with the number of stops that we made where we realized it was really the first time all the provincial territorial leaders had really gotten together in person. So there was a lot of people in the room one who were new to their role who were new to the the pso or the tso and they didn't know all the other counterparts that existed and that again it was the first time that they had gotten together to have these kind of conversations so i i love the fact that we were able to bring people together i also recognize that the questions and the feedback that we received really across the country was very consistent So that was good to know that people were kind of struggling with the same issues and also to recognize that those same issues were being shared by others, which would hopefully create an environment, again, to break down those silos, those walls, to start creating a conversation within each province and territory or even maybe bigger than that, where they can do things together. And I think that was a big learning for me and for people who attended to say, wow, all of you are struggling with this. It's not just one group. And it was really nice to see, not that they were struggling, but people to recognize that those struggles were consistent and and people were talking and sharing phone numbers and emails and trying to be able to say, well, can I call you and talk to you you how you've dealt with this particular matter? So that was really interesting for me. And the third highlight was again to recognize the consistency of issues that everybody has. And hopefully the conversations did move into how can we break those silos down? How can we do this together? And I hope that continues to happen. So part of the next question that we want to talk about, Dean, is what are we looking ahead to 2024? And what are we hopeful about? What are we anticipating? And for me, it's really that continued conversation of can we keep doing things together and simplify the complexity of being a sport leader in today's environment. And if we know there's resources and other PSO or TSOs who are dealing with these issues, can we share those resources so we don't have to continually recreate the wheel over and over again? Mm -hmm. So what are you looking forward to Dina in 2024?
0: Well, a few things. I, as I think of, Where sport is going in this transition that we must move through. I I want to acknowledge for people, as someone who helps people in life transition, that even though transition is often hard because we're letting go of a known way of being, even as we're inspired to move towards something else, in this liminal space that we're in, right, in transition, it's supposed to be hard. And I think that as we acknowledge that, people feel a little bit relieved. Oh, I'm supposed to be uncomfortable. So my invitation for people is to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. The second thing that you said that really resonated with me, Steve, is even though we're in transition and transition, we're going to feel a little lonely because nobody is actually in walking in my shoes. We don't have to feel so isolated. And I remember in the Yukon, one of the participants, you know, we were talking a lot about risks and some of the threats that we were dealing with and all the angst that we were going through. And this, you know, participant younger woman said, hold on, I want to share a really inspiring story of of what we're doing right here in the Yukon. I think she was from snowboard and she talked about community building through her sport and, and how the kids were having fun and the families were coming out. And I was so inspired by that. And out of that, I think, you know, back to your question about 2024, I'm committed to helping share stories and make examples out of exemplars, right? How can we share some of these inspiring stories? And when we know more and we know better, we hopefully do better, right? We're inspired to do better. So I think that's really important. I'm also noticing, Steve, that I think, and we've been writing about this for for a while, that beyond uh, sports safety, we're seeing an exhaustion now from from the people we've been talking to that want to move beyond the sports safety focus. They really are ready to talk about something better, something holistic, something that's going to more align with their values. And so uh, safety, if we we just use, use Maslow's hierarchy of needs, Safety is a baseline, physical and emotional and psychological safety is bare necessity. But beyond that, we want to invite people to belong and to self-actualize. So I'm seeing and hearing people longing for more frameworks, more language that describes the sport we want more of, not just running away from the sport we don't want. And what's exciting for me is like we can look at existing frameworks, true sport comes to mind. And Uh, our friends that respect in sport that are doing your they're using what we would call strength based language to talk about what we want more of, which is super exciting uh, for me. And then the final thing that I'm really uh, excited about, and we've been advocating for this again for a long time, and that's investing in people. So we do a lot of work around leadership development, we are professional coaches that support the people inside sport to deal better with issues but also self actualize so i'm anticipating that people are going to make use of the myriad of support systems that we already have in place like the sport leaders retreat like the nova profile like coaching and teamwork i think i'm seeing now more people calling me and saying hey can can we work with you to invest in our people right so beyond just the punitive measures like really looking for holistic human development uh, approaches. So that that's what's got me really excited, Steve.
1: I would almost summarize that, Dina, to say we're hoping in 2024 that people are are far more proactive than reactive.
0: Yeah, well said. And,
1: and thinking about how to create that positive environment, how do we create that? And it's with the right people and the right training and the right investment. So I'm with you and and looking forward to 2024. In the episode notes below, you'll find some sport law blogs where you can find more information related to our vision for Sport 2.0 and some considerations on how to achieve our vision. Thank you so much to our listeners. We are so grateful to have shared the past year with all of your listeners. And you know, Dino, we started this journey. Did you really believe that we would capture more than 3,000 listeners in our first year? You know that I did not think that to
0: be possible. And you know that I did. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just so delighted, Steve. It's been a blast. I mean, what's kind of comforting for me is that you and I would have these conversations anyway, right? What we've done is we've made some of our private conversations more public. And hopefully, you know, our 3,000 plus listeners have gotten something out of this. And what I really hope for in 2024 is we get more engagement that people reach out to us at hello at sportlaw.ca or on social media at sportlaw.ca to let us know what you want us to focus on. And if you know someone who could be a great guest, we want to move beyond just Stina, right? Steve and Dina talking about things that we believe are important to also make examples out of exemplar. So if you know a sport exemplar that you think could elevate the conversation, could help us navigate some of these complex times, please let us know. So stay tuned for the next episode, the next season of Sportopia. And until then, be well.